listening to those amazing pieces of choir music here in Kol Rama was an amazing experience. And here we have the opportunity to host the mind behind these tunes. I'm David Goodman, and I'm here with Josh Ehrlich. Hi, Josh. Hey, David. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing okay. Can you tell us a bit about your work in camp? Sure. I started here as a camper in the late 90s, and I came back after 10 years to be on staff and do music. And I wasn't sure exactly what that would entail, but it turned out that they needed a music director for the musical theater production. So I began doing that. And a few years later, I also took over for the Makela, the camp choir, which sings a song every Friday evening. And over the past few years, I've started to focus a little more, in addition to playing piano and singing and music directing, into arranging and composing music for camp and inspired by camp as well, both songs for the musical theater productions and pieces for the Makela. So let's start with the musical productions. Sure. Wh- which productions you have done this summer? This past summer, we did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with Gesher. We did the Ramah Retirement Home with Shorashim. With Solim and Bogrim, we did Shrek, the musical. With Tsirim, we did Jungle Book. And uh, tomorrow night, we're going to put up our final show, which is Tangled with Edat Machon. Wow, sounds amazing. And about the choir, uh, who is taking place in the choir, first of all? So the choir is open to any Chanichim in Machon and Gesher, the oldest two Edot, uh, as well as any members of staff. And how big is it usually? It really depends on the week. Um, there are times where we have maybe 10 or 15 people, but then there are weeks where we'll have 60, 70 people. So it, 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 it really varies. I, my policy is as long as you come to the rehearsal that week, you're able to come and sing that Friday afternoon. And can you tell us a bit about the process, like how the practicing, how, how do you teach those songs? Absolutely. The, the most important thing for me is having a dedicated staff with whom I work on teaching the music. Uh, I have section leaders. I have some really outstanding people here at camp. Um, Max Silverstone has been the bass section leader for a couple of years, and Phil Cronenberg is the tenor section leader, and Milk Jacob Milk Sandler as the alto section leader. Um, and then fortunately there's a lot of other wonderful staff members who come from time to time as well to help sing and sort of make sure the, the quality is up and that the kids sort of see a model of adults singing. And, it and how do you divide people between the sections? So generally speaking, male voices that are lower sing bass and higher sing tenor, female voices that are lower sing alto and that are higher sing soprano. But there are people who, there are men who can sing alto and women who sing tenor, etc. So I try to leave it open to have people self-identify and figure out the right section. If I do hear, though, that somebody, sometimes in the tenor section, I'll hear one of the chanichim with a very low voice, and I'll say, you should be a bass. You have those low notes. And so I'll try to put people in the right place as best I can. And what is your natural st- spot? Uh, I like to sing bass. I I. <laughs> I have a lower voice. Um, if I need to, I'll sing one of the higher parts to fill it in, but my preference is definitely the lower parts. And tell us a bit about the material that you're singing. So the material, traditionally the music from Akela has just been songs to usher in Shabbat. Um, Jewish music is wide-ranging, and it can be helpful to have a very simple thing of this is Shabbat, sing something to usher it in. Pieces of music like L'cha Dodi. Um, we've done a piece, Maya Fehayom in the past, which is a, and then it dovetails with Shabbat Shalom. 
But over the past couple of years, I've tried to mix it up a little bit from that one message. And in particular, last year, um, the Rabbi Linden, the camp director, created this vision of each Shabbat having a theme. Uh, it began with B'Tselem Elohim, we're all made in God's image, and then Kol Yisrael Arevin Zelazeh, the interconnectedness of all the Jews. So initially I thought it would be cool to bring in a piece that related to one of those themes. And then I thought it would be even better if I just wrote something. I'm always looking for excuses to write music. And so I wrote a piece for that second week of camp last year, Kol Yisrael Arevin Zelazeh. And I was so excited by how how rewarding it was within the span of one week to write something, arrange something, teach it to section leaders, teach it to the whole choir, and then perform it and sort of see that whole process. Everything in one week. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, we talk about camp time, of course, the hour behind regular time, but there's something else about camp time that I think is interesting, which is this idea of you're able to fit so much in one day at camp. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about Judaism in general, being a religion that emphasizes time over space, that really values moments, that tries to bring intentionality within each week. And the structure of Shabbat in and of itself, it creates the sense of, well, even though you have this one day a week where you're not supposed to work, maybe that will actually motivate you to get more done in the six days prior. Um, and it was a little bit like that. I, I, I thought there was this opportunity to do something cool. And, and we have this exciting new director uh, who had this interesting vision about how to, it almost to me matched the, the hierarchy of needs, you know, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. We mm -hmm. begin with, with safety and then belonging and self-actualization. So it kind of started like that of everybody's in God's image. And then ultimately it was Kei Lakadosha. We're all together in a holy community. And I just thought what a cool way to sort of have inspiration from music. Um, and what was the response the first time you brought a piece of your own to the um, I mean, Ethan was excited by it. He, he expressed appreciation for it. I will say that there are times where some of the, the campers are critical. They want to do things they already know. Um, for example, tonight we're going to sing Nachamu, which is traditionally done at the closing for Tisha B'Av or the Shabbat after Tisha B'Av. And so many weeks they were like, can we sing Nachamu this week? And I said, no, we will sing Nachamu when it's the right time. But it's important to mix up classic things, you know, sort of to integrate change in tradition. Yes, Hayashan v'achadash. Hayashan v'achadash. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so the, also when you say Hayashan v'achadash, it makes me think of this idea of keva and kavana, this principle that we're taught as Jewish children that you have to daven every single day and do the same words over and over again. And at the same time, you're supposed to mine intention from that experience and feel like there's something new and fresh and exciting with each day's prayer. Uh, and so too with this, of like every Shabbat we're going to do a song, but maybe there's a way to come up with something creative each time. And keeping that in mind, and also what had happened last summer with the themes for each Shabbat, last July, I remember vividly, I was on the little bench, the porch swing, right by the Agam behind, uh, I think where you guys live, right? The old infirmary staff housing. The, okay. Uh, what's it called now? The, the Kalman the, Garden. Okay, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I was talking to my friend Adam and I said, you know, there's got to be a way to do more original music like this. And I was like, what if every week I pick a little bit of text from that week's Parsha and write a choral composition using that text? And once I decided that I wanted to do that, I couldn't shake the idea. And it, it really grounded me. It was like, this is going to be a really great way to push myself to be creating a lot of new music over the course of the next year. And so starting this past Simchat Torah, essentially, I've been doing that. And then this summer, I've been able to integrate some of that music into the Makelah's roster. So um, three of the pieces we did this summer were original compositions of mine that were based on that week's Parsha. Wow. So you have now 
Almost the full Torah composed. Almost. I'm getting there. I'm at 45 out of 54. I'm, I'm working on it now. I'm about halfway through for Prashat uh, Ve'etchanan, the second week of, which is this Shabbat. I'm actually like, the whole idea of it is, is to sort of, you know, artists thrive on a deadline, right? You have to have the Keva and the Kavana and the, the Keva of like, this is the deadline. Is this Shabbat? Whether you like it or not, that's the Prashat that's going to happen. So it kind of pushes me to be like, all right, I got to get this done this and, week. And how does it feel like to read the Parashat and like, to try to imagine a tune that will work to it, for it? Um, well, part of it is, is, you know, growing up Jewish and feeling like this is an important text for us. Also, my, my father is the Baal Koreh at my synagogue growing up. So he's the guy who reads Torah every week and he's a speech pathologist. And he, so he's obsessive about these micro details of the diction and the kamatz katan and all these elements. And um, so it's my way of kind of doing something to connect with him a little bit and... and And, and share his passion for the Torah, for the language. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll come through the Parsha and I'll look for interesting material, both regarding content and form, which is to say, sort of, if it seems like this is a really important line in the Parsha, like if it's a piece of dialogue that one of the essential characters says. Um, and then on top of that, I'm looking for interesting sounds, for rhyming, for assonance and alliteration, um, for vowel sounds, for situations where there aren't too many consonants clustered together, things like that. Can you give me an example for uh, like... Yeah, um, one of the ones I did early on was I think for Prashat Toldot and we read the story of Yaakov and Esav and Esav is traditionally seen as the villain, the brute and Yaakov is the refined one who is more gentle and who gets his father's blessing by deceit but you know, we're taught to believe as he's our forefather that this is, he's the good guy uh, and there's a great line where Esav realizes that his father had given the blessing designated for him to his younger brother Yaakov instead. Kishmoa Esav et Divrei Aviv, when he heard his father's words, And then he cried out a cry that was bitter and great, to the greatest degree. Wow. When you translate it, the tricky thing is the English, you'll say, and he cried out a very bitter cry. And you can almost sort of feel the descent of it, that the very bitter cry kind of goes down. But in the Hebrew, a cry that was bitter, that was great, that was to the extreme degree, you sort of, there's an elevation, an escalation built into the phrase. And so that lent itself, in my mind, to some really cool musical assembling of, of just this kind of dissonant, slow, tense thing that built up to this big, loud chord and then all of a sudden stopped. Um, very dramatic, of course. Not all the pieces are dramatic. Sometimes I'll try to do something that's light and bright and a little more high energy. Um, part of the notion, again, of Kevan Kavana is like there are these parameters. Every week I'm writing something that's SATB, which is to say soprano, alto, tenor, bass, the four voice parts traditionally in a choir uh, with no splits, right? Nobody... There's, sometimes you have a big choir where you can have like the altos will sing two notes at once half of them do this half of them do that but none of that just strictly four parts um, always between three and four minutes always between five and thirty words of text and in a traditional choral style so not really doing a lot of like dum-ba-dum-ba-dum stuff within all those strict parameters though I ask myself how can I vary the tempo and the key And the duration and the sort of challenge, the level of challengingness of the harmony um, to create a, an interesting mix of music amidst the continuity of the, of the project. You are speaking and I'm thinking, oh, this is the, the guy, he, 
he's doing choir in one side, but also he's doing like music for plays. And now the Torah is a very dramatical book. It sure is. Uh, do you think we can do like in camp a Bible musical? It's an interesting idea. Um, one of the cool things about camp is actually we've already been doing a number of original musicals. Miriam Hertz on Rosh Hashanah, um, no shortage of talent in, in, that, in that lady. She, for many years now, has actually written an A-side play just from scratch, just written her own play, um, which generally integrates a lot of well-known musical theater numbers and we'll try to create a story that's relevant to camp or that's relevant to our tradition. She did one of uh, Jonah and the Whale and there was Samson and Delilah um, and there was the stories of Helm and just different things like that. And, um, and last year we actually had a really cool thing where Dara Horn, a, a Jewish author who's written a lot of historical fiction with Jewish themes, came up to speak and she shared with us The Goat's Lament, a poem that she wrote from the perspective of the sacrificial goat in Vayikra. Basically wow. being like, why do all these humans feel a need to kill me to, you know, exonerate themselves from their sins? And, uh, and I thought it was so clever that I asked her if I could set it to music for the, for the Shoreshim play last year, for the, the Yeside play last year, because it was about the stories of Helm, which included a goat. And she was okay with it. So that ended up being kind of one of the hits of that show was the, the goat song. Wow. Amazing. So they're, they're, yeah, we're already kind of looking for fun ways to integrate and, um, and the idea of bibliodrama, right, of sort of extracting artistic, dramatic elements from the story of the of Tanakh and, and of the Chumash in particular is is nothing new. I mean, obviously, this is this has been something that's been being done for a long time. Obviously, Jewish educators in every generation are always grappling with this question of how do we make it engaging and relevant? But it's kind of, I think, always been been that challenge. Um, and I think definitely one of the strongest ways to do so is to lean into the artistic element of Judaism. I think that Perhaps people can think that religion and the arts are, are at odds because religion is about censoring and keeping people in line and art is about questioning the authority. But in many ways, they go together really well because religion is about community building and storytelling, right? The very notion of Judaism is here's this book, this, this you know, and whether you see it as a book of laws or a book of stories, it's, it's sort of somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, it's literature, it's, it's words um, which conjure images. And so it feels really intuitive to me that, of course, as Jews, we're always trying to be creative. And it's also no surprise there are so many Jews who are involved in the arts in general, um, Jewish writers and composers. Uh, and I think a lot of that is the nature, too, of, of growing up in synagogue where you don't really see sheet music. You don't have hymnals, usually, the way you might in a Protestant tradition. You just you kind of learn things by ear. And it can make things a little chaotic. I certainly, I've, I've heard somebody once criticize Jewish music as saying that Jews are taught to yell. And being a camper mob, I see that it's all the time. It's pretty true, yes. It can be true and it can be really frustrating. Um, the flip side of that is I think the Jews are also taught a little bit of a chutzpah of like, you got to learn things by ear and then figure out your own harmonies and kind of make it your own. And, and so it's um, kind of trying to find that happy medium. And I think about that now as I'm creating this project, which is sheet music based, right? Which is stuff that's written out in no small part because I think there's been such a trend of Jewish music of easy, accessible, crowd-friendly stuff where the detail work isn't necessarily there in the same way as you might see in the tradition of, of Western music. And um, and that stuff's exciting to me. I like the idea of really caring about the little dynamic moment here and the transition there and what the harmony is going to be at this exact point. And perhaps I'm a little controlling in that way. Uh, but, you know, my philosophy is you don't have a lot of control over generally things in the world. So pick something that you feel like you do have some control over and try to do it right. 
This is, I think, one of the main purposes of camp because Judaism in general can be seen as something that just comes from above and uh, we need to follow and even subordinate to. Yeah. But uh, I think the idea of like the community that we built here in camp is that uh, Judaism can be a treasure. It can be the best toolbox uh, for so many things. And if we are taking it uh, like to the creativity of art and music, so it's endless what you can do with it. Yeah. And uh, taking the, the Torah, the Parashot HaShavua, as a, as a source for, uh, for creating music is just... Uh, it's an endless source, and here I'm asking, uh, <laughs> what do you think you will do after this coming Simchat Torah? After this coming Simchat Torah, then, then's the hard part. I mean, the, I always joke, the, the part about actually writing the music is, it can be challenging at times, but it, in some ways it's, for me, easier than the element of trying to spread your music to the world. You know, and these days, uh, there's, there sort of feels like there's a need to have a strong social media presence and to brand your work and to promote it. And, and I think promotion has always been something that's been important for artists, but, um, but I think that's going to be the challenge in the coming year is trying to figure out the right way to, to get the music out to different people, whether I will try to take on work myself as kind of a being of artist in residence touring to different synagogues and communities. Um, I admit that there's, there's definitely some appeal in that. And I know I have some, some colleagues here, Deborah Saxmintz and Joshua Shavsky, who came up for the summer, who are excellent artists and musicians and Jewish leaders who um, do that kind of work. And it's a really cool way to kind of spread your own thoughts and connect with people in a wide variety of settings. Um, one of the things that I've always liked about camp, though, is the sense of the keva is kind of that you're just here. You know, I don't have to worry about traveling a lot during the summer and running from here to there. As a musician living in New York City, I do that plenty during the year. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, it, and being in one place has really allowed me to kind of focus on, again, having more time in that place just to kind of regularly make things. And, and I'm very fortunate. Uh, Tsevedofa has, has become a real empire of, of some amazing people. And I, and I get to, I think there's like seven or eight musicians on our staff full time and um, a lot of other people on the drama side who are terrific singers as well. So it's really cool to have that network built in where four-part harmony sort of just happens more days than not. Yes, I'm amazed by it. Every time I'm like in the meeting of Tsevedofa, I feel like in a room full of talent. and yeah. Pretty amazing. It's a fun group. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, moving forward, I, I'm going to try to think about ways to incorporate this music. One of the other things I'm, I'd like to do is to write up educational materials. It's been suggested to me that I put together kind of a, a course, out, not a course outline, but I guess for each piece, maybe a few questions and sort of general information about both choral pronunciation of Hebrew uh, for singers that, that are come with a strong choral background, that have the Jewish background, as well as... Um, kind of discussion of, of the music and how it relates to the text and maybe ways to create lesson plans so that Jewish educators could use the material. Um, one of the things that I would really like to, I mean, I've, I've often said that the vision of it is to help try to raise the bar of both musical and biblical literacy. Because um, I do think that, and I think this, this brings up a, a broader point in general about the world right now, that, that there's a lot of creativity and enthusiasm, but I often feel like with an increased enfranchisement, right? Anybody can sort of go on GarageBand or get Pro Tools and start making their own music or put up a blog and become their own journalist. And, and um, 
again, it's it's good in that there's more opportunity for people to kind of get started, but it can be difficult in that it can feel like a reduction of a bar that at one point might have been a little bit higher when there was more there's formal no, education. no, like, formal standard. Exactly, right? So it's like maybe sort of trying to create more material where, like, there is this formal exact thing written out with um, with lots of specific stuff. You know, it isn't like... I just scribbled this together, but I'm really trying hard to be like, to consider every measure what, what makes sense for that moment. Um, and similarly with biblical literacy, to feel like there is, I mean, for me, you know, part of the appeal of the of the Torah, you know, if, if whether or not you have a, if theologically, it can be a struggle to be like, okay, this is a book written by God and we have to observe every word. I mean, that, that might be a lot, but at the same time, you can also look at it as, here is a text that has survived for many years, um, filled with beautiful language and powerful stories as well as some really challenging material. I mean, there's, there's some really, there's aggressive, violent, uh, very graphic stuff yes. in there. Things and that I, I didn't necessarily, discrimination. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's talk about when you get to the land of Israel, you have to kill the people that were there before you because there'll be like flies in your eyes. And it, it gets, it gets pretty brutal and, and some really difficult stuff to grapple with. And also there's the whole patriarchal element of it, right? But, you know, and, and maybe it seems, like as a as a male, am I you know is this like an overcompensation of sorts? But it's like looking at this text and noting that it's the primary the story of the forefathers primarily. I just did a piece recently for the beginning of Bamidbar where it says Leveta uh, Votam, right? It's all you're defined by. Okay, great. Um, I I was just speaking about how I the piece I wrote for the beginning of uh, Sefer Bamidbar. Um, everybody gathered based on the house of their forefathers of their fathers and so I was asking myself am I going to omit that line or do I or is that sort of whitewashing things maybe I should just say that line and so I actually tried to have the line said initially by the men and the women say it with with this little half step twist that maybe feels almost sardonic and and perhaps it's too abstract and, and somebody won't necessarily hear that but it's like my way of kind of trying to wrestle with being associated with this religion, which which can be criticized of of holding certain traditions, even when they're not very forward looking. I would like to thank you very much. I think the time is almost done. If okay. there is anything else you want to add, um. Yeah, I, I guess my final thought, and maybe this is just the biggest picture of all, is 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 my hope in doing this is to inspire more people to take on creative projects, to find ways of creating some distance from the modern world, to cultivate a skill, uh, and to take time to get to know themselves. That's a lot of what writing is. It's solitary, but you really feel like you come out of it a little bit more aware of yourself and that's an exciting thing. I was David Goodman here with Josh Ehrlich. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. This was a pleasure.